Hey everyone, this is Victor from Cyborg for Life, and I want to welcome you to episode 34 of Lemmicking Live, where the patients get to interview the guests. And today we are joined by a awesome rehab roundtable of world-class physical therapists from none other than the Paley Institute in West Palm Beach, Florida at St. Mary's Medical Center. Welcome, guys. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Awesome. How are you? So going around the panel here, we have in the top um, right in the corner, we have Jason. Jason, if you just want to wave, just to kind of show... We got Jason, we got Mike, and down in the bottom we have Brian. Awesome, cool. So the way that this works, guys, is basically we had some questions that were submitted ahead of time by some prospective patients, and they were asking about you know general rehab uh, you know questions. So we'll go through those first, and then if you guys have some time, we're going to hop into the live chat and answer some questions from the people watching us live right now. Sound good? Good. Awesome. All right, let's get this show on the road. So uh, I'll start off with question number one. Um, he, this patient was asking, what's the difference between a physical therapist who is specialized in limb lengthening and deformity reconstruction versus a typical rehab physical therapist? Well, specializing in limb lengthening, um, we, uh, it's a dynamic type of uh, operation. So you're dynamically moving uh, the bone, which is causing the, the soft tissue to get tighter, the uh, neurological system to get tighter with a uh, normal rehab, like a knee replacement, hip replacement. Um, nothing is necessarily changing. You're actually going to get uh, more flexible as um, you go through a knee replacement rehab or, or a, a hip replacement rehab. As you go with limb lengthening, you're actually going to be, become tighter and tighter and tighter. And we have to manage the, that situation as that dynamic process uh, uh, goes along. Gotcha. Very cool. And would you, so like for patients who may not have, um, who may not get length, uh, lengthening done at the Paley Institute, who might just get it done at you know a center and they go across, um, you know they're they're international getting it done, um, and they go back home and they get it done. What, what's your suggestion in terms of doing physical therapy or rehab there? Like, should they go to their local physical therapist or should they try their best to find some guy who's uh, specialized in limb lengthening? Well, definitely you should be going to someone that specializes in limb lengthening because you don't know how to manage that uh, appropriately. Um, yeah. If you are just some physical therapist uh, out in the public, uh, you won't experience this type ever in your career. Usually. Yeah. Um, you won't know how to put your hands in the proper position to be safe when you're stretching someone. Yeah. Um, you won't know the things you can and cannot do. Uh, it's very specialized and uh, you should be going to someone that knows what they're doing. Gotcha. Now, Brian, this is a question that a patient was asking me and they were like begging for this question. Actually, they, they forced it in when I told them that you guys were coming on and they asked, how flexible should a patient be before getting the lengthening surgery done? Um, that's a great question. And I would say, you know, as flexible as possible. Uh, okay. You know, the tighter you are, if you come in and you're not very flexible, it's certainly going to make uh, you know, the distraction process that much harder and that much more painful. So we definitely encourage people to be proactive and, you know, begin stretching on their own before they actually undergo the surgery. Gotcha. And Jason, what muscles are the most important that patients should start to focus on leading into the surgery? Should it be like the posterior chain, the abductors, um, you know, lower back? Like, what, what exactly do you guys see are the the problem muscles when the patient starts to get tight so they should start to you know get a head start on that depending on the segment that you're extending uh, you're doing your femurs I would think the hamstrings are probably the primary muscle you want to keep flexible mm -hmm. if you're doing tibias your gastrocs calf muscles 
Gotcha. Very cool. All right. Uh, the next question that we had submitted was, how much at-home physical therapy is really necessary? I mean, we know that, you know, uh, the big boss over there, Dr. Paley, is like, you know, you got to do four or five hours a day. But is it really three to four hours, five hours a day? And if so, how long are these mini sessions? And how should they space them out in addition to their physical th therapy sessions with you guys? Mike, you want to take that? Yeah, I would say uh, the reason why I would take uh, an hour is you've got to properly warm up. Uh, if you're properly warmed up, uh, you can kind of go right into the, the stretches. The, the stretches are definitely the most important things. Uh, going in straight from the hospital to, uh, in the very beginning, like the first two weeks, strengthening is kind of important because if you're not strong enough, you can't really move around. You can't be functional. You can't, you know, go to the bathroom or things of that nature. But uh, from that point on, once you are strong enough to do functional activities, um, it's really important just to focus on your flexibility. Okay, gotcha. Awesome. Um, the next question is, what could be limiting a patient from ha having proper knee flexion? Let's say 90 degrees post-lengthening. Um, I had a patient reach out to me recently, and they are saying that they just could not bend their knee. Is it because of the muscles are just really, really tight? Or could this be because of, you know, I don't know, maybe the IT band just reattached? What, what exactly do you guys see as being a problem because of poor knee flexion post-lengthening as they enter into the consolidation phase? Brian, do you see anything like that with your patients? Um, yeah, so I mean, you know, everybody's anatomy is unique. Um, okay. So if your question was specifically, you know, uh, immediately post-surgery, if they were having trouble getting to 90 degrees, you know, obviously uh, going through surgery is a traumatic experience and your body, you know, is not going to be happy after that. Um, so there's going to be, you know, a lot of inflammation, a lot of swelling, um, and that could certainly be limiting your motion. But that's our job is to help you, you know, maintain that flexibility and uh, ensure that they can continue the lengthening process. Gotcha. Yeah. And that's what his people were telling him to say. Physio is just important. You just give it time. Let your body recover a little bit. All oh, right. So yeah. 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 What's that? Was that in the consolidation phase? Or the um, yeah. He actually is kind of entering into the consolidation phase. So if you want to kind of attack it from that angle, Mike, what, what would you think? Would that just be tight muscles? Like what? what yeah. Uh, in the very, very beginning, like right post surgery, it's, it's due to swelling. You can't okay. bend your knees because they're swollen, they're, they're bruised, they have fluid in them. Once you get that fluid out of there, then it's just uh, a matter of the, the tension of the muscles tightening up as you're lengthening. And if it's tight, uh, where you can't bend your knees uh, in the foundation phase, it's just a rectus. Uh, it's okay. the, the, the quad. Yeah. That's just tight. tight. They work on the flexibility. Okay, gotcha. And uh, what exact like what's the what um, range of motion do you want to see uh, by let's say what time frame post lengthening? Like as you're in the consolidation phase, is there any good like kind of like checkpoints that you kind of go by as you guys? Uh, I don't. I always have checkpoints, but you want to try to be as flexible as possible to prepare yeah. for normal walking. So uh, with precise, uh, you can probably wait there until you fully consolidated enough for the bones to start start taking the your weight right right but you try to prepare for that uh time period uh by being as flexible as possible uh gotcha. so you're not when you're prepared to walk properly mm -hmm. uh, if you don't have the range of motion to walk properly you're going to be behind a step so try nice. to get get uh your uh, flexibility down to prepare for normal walk Okay, man. Flexibility, man. It's just echoing. I love this. I mean, that's what the, the theme of my channel is rehab. I mean, I talk a lot of other topics, but rehab is number one. All right. Hey, Jason, so this question is, I'm going to point it to you. And it's like, do you suggest any muscle gels or pain relieving cream topicals to assist in stiff or sore muscles? Um, like as 
the patient is in the consolidation phase and they start to kind of walk unassisted, um, you know, because you wake up in the morning kind of stiff and sore, or do you suggest something that is like a warm up? What exactly do you do to kind of help the patients achieve that pain relieving effect? I mean, you can try some topical creams if you feel like they, they feel comfortable, but honestly, just keep trying to stretch. Okay. You have to work through that, but I mean, yeah, any, any topical cream you feel like is giving you any kind of benefit, sure. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I know I used a little bit of, what was it, uh, Icy Hot or something like that. It helped out. Yeah. Menthol, yeah. Menthol base. Yeah, exactly. All right. So we have one last question that was submitted and then we're going to hop into the live chat. We got some people asking questions over there. Um, this one's to you, Brian. So are there any signs that a patient needs to slow down or stop lengthening until the muscle can catch up? And are, or like, yeah, that kind of goes back to the question I asked earlier about the range of motion degrees you look for. So yeah, how do you know when a patient needs to kind of slow the distraction rate? Um, so, you know, ultimately that decision is going to be made by the patient's physician. You know, okay. the patients have uh, follow-ups with their physician every two weeks. They come to PT every day. So obviously, you know, we spend a lot of time with the patients and if we see something that is a little bit abnormal, you know, like they're not getting their prone knee bent to 90 degrees, or their ankles are just, you know, stuck in plantar flexion and not even close to neutral. And that's something that we will communicate uh, to their physicians about. And then ultimately the physician will decide what we, what they need to do as far as changing their rate of distraction. Yeah, and you guys at the Paleo Institute do that so well. I was there, I met all of you a couple of weeks ago, and I mean, the connection between the medical team and the physio team is just second to none. I mean, that's so important. I think, you know, other centers could take a note or two from that because you hear it all the time. People are like, oh, I say, what did your phys uh, physical therapist say? They said this. What did your surgeon say? Something else. So that, that communication is key. Exactly. Um, very cool. So we have some questions in the live chat. I don't know if any others were submitted, but let's go right to the Realm God. Um, the first question from the Realm God, he's asking, are there any stretches to relieve pain? Um, I guess, Jason, or Mike, you want to take that one? Well, it depends on where your your pain is. So yeah, I guess you'll have to come back with that one. All right, we'll we'll keep it moving. Uh, the next one's from Ashok Baby. Anything on any? Uh, okay, so anything that a patient like a this is an amputee patient. So anything that he needs to keep in mind when getting the procedure done. So have you ever had a patient who was an amputee get lengthening done? Yeah. You have? Okay. Um, so uh, we have a patient that their uh, residual limb is just a little bit too short for a prosthesis. So they lengthen them out to try to get a little bit more purchase so that prosthesis can feel a little bit better. Gotcha. Very cool. So should they like, is physical therapy kind of the same for them as like a normal patient or is it going to be a little different? Um, uh, you basically want, uh, in, in, in all of the lifting, um, you want to basically try to manage the tightness of, of the limb above and below. So okay. if it's an amputee, uh, depends on what they're lengthening, but if it's just uh, the femur, you basically want to try to manage the, the tightness of the hip. So okay. make sure that the hip can fully extend and flex. I'm flexing usually not the issue, but usually they can get tight in that uh, hip flexor. That basically the, um, the rectus morse can get tight. Um, and you want to make sure that you can fully extend. So if it's below the knee, uh, you just want to basically manage the knee. Gotcha. So above with lifting in general, but uh, the amputee just uh, manage the above. Manage the knee. Yeah, so it really depends on where the amputation is and whatnot. But yeah, the hip hip muscles usually get tight. Well, I'm going to bring in a special guest here. We got your we got your big boss here. We got Dr. Fran Guardo 
on. What's up, Dr. Gordo? How you doing? <laughs> Can you hear us? Our microphone is. Our microphone. Oh, check check your mic. Though. Check your mic. I think that it, we can't hear you. But um, yeah, she's a legend in the the realm of physiotherapy, and she was talking some really good things about this her team here. So I was like, oh, we got to bring her on too. So, <laughs> all right. So the next question is, um, we're gonna throw this down to you, Brian. Or, and then we'll go to Jason afterwards. What are some of the top five stretches you can perform on patients? Or do you perform on patients? Um, I guess let's do the kind of like as you're starting after surgery. We won't talk as they get super tight. So like after surgery, they start to get tight. What stretches, the top five stretches? Um, you know, that's, that's certainly something that will walk the patients through, you know, outside of, you know, active range of motion and a proper warm up. Uh, Mike had mentioned that we then, you know, after we do that warm up, then we get into our stretches and it's dependent on, you know, which segments being lengthened, you know, okay. so obviously if you're doing your femurs, you know, keeping the hip flexible uh, and the hamstrings, you know, uh, there's a variety of hamstring stretches, uh, you know, quadricep stretches, hip flexor stretches that we do. Um, and we'll kind of walk the patient through that. In addition to just, you know, us, you know, stretching the patient, um, the patient will be actively involved in those stretches to get okay. the maximum benefit. So it's not like, you know, we want people to just come in and lie on a table and, and <laughs> for them. And it's great. Um, they need to be actively involved to get the most benefit out of those stretches. Well, I got a question, a follow-up question to that. What's the ratio of passive to active stretching? Is it like right after surgery versus like consolidation is it like you guys do 60 40 70 30 what's that ratio of like you know active to passive stretching um well that's i mean that's a good question i don't know if we have any <laughs> ratio breakdown of that i think okay. uh Jason was supposed to be working on that um but uh you know essentially i would say it's relatively evenly split you know okay. we want the patient to be actively involved you know moving on their own yeah. um you know passively we're definitely going to take the patient past their you know normal you know, comfortable um, range of motion than they would be able to achieve on their own. Yeah. So I would say it's pretty balanced, you know, between okay. the, the I pretty much take a patient, it's like patient to patient driven. Okay. Um, some patients come in, they're like, they're active is great. And I just, we can focus more on the stretching. Some they okay. can't abduct because they're driven the rod, but they'll yeah. do those muscles and they're super weak in abduction. So, I mean, I just take patient to patient, like, oh, you're super weak this, in yeah. this area and I need to focus on this, uh, but still we got to do the stretches. Um, <laughs> but, right. But like the, the focus is the stretches, but they got to be functional. They got to be able to move around in bed. They got to be good. You get up and go to the bathroom, you know. The bathroom, so, yeah, the, the basics. And and just so you guys know, Mike is known as a drill sergeant, so uh, you may love him here, but you might hate him over there. <laughs> I've heard some uh, things. He's like, he's a hard guy, but he gets results. So, um, this, Jason, I have a question. So, we all know that the muscles in the posterior chain are interconnected, like the hamstring, you know, crosses the knee joint, and the gastroc can cross the knee joint, knee joint as well. Even though you're doing femur lengthening, we know that some people still can kind of get some of that slight contracture. If they're doing tibia lengthening, they can get the same thing, knee, knee joint contractures. When do you usually see that happen? Is it a certain amount of length that a patient does on their femurs or what in the tibia? Or does it happen at all? Well, it does happen often. Okay. But I would say there's a benchmark to it. You know, some okay. people really tighten the gastrocs really quick. It's, some people like to rest with their knees bent through mm -hmm. the process. And if they're resting with their knees bent, very hard for you to extend if you're going to be hanging out in this position for long periods of time. Yeah. Gotcha. I like to say the position of comfort is the position of contracture. Uh -huh. So if you're looking at the femurs 
and you're hanging out like this, you're going to super tight hamstring. Some people are actually the opposite, and they'll hang out with their knees straight all the time. This is their most comfortable position, and then actually bending becomes more difficult. Wow. I didn't think about that. That's so crazy, and it's, that makes sense. It's more so uh, <laughs> not like this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've had multiple, multiple patients that like they love to have their knees straight and yeah. their quads get super tight. Wow, I did not think about this. So really, it's, it kind of like freezes in place where you're most comfortable. Um, so then, uh, Brian, things like low load, prolonged stretching, like I know there's a company, uh, Dynasplint, that offers a lot of these you know, devices that kind of help maintain these positions. Um, do you suggest that obviously or you can do something modified like having their heel or you know on a like a foam roller or a you know stack of towels for a certain amount of time is that one way to kind of like do it while they're watching a pro a tv program or something like that um well especially uh patients who get their tibias done you know they're yeah. going to be required to wear dorsiflexion uh, splints for okay. at least 22 hours a day that's just part <laughs> of it and if they don't you know even if you're stretching you know five times a day on your own um, it's still going to lock up and get tight. So specifically, yeah. um, you know, with the tibial patients, uh, definitely need those dorsiflexion splints. Gotcha. Yeah, I remember I had to wear mine for my tibial lengthening, and I even do one of the max lengths. So that's incredible. All right. Uh, next question from Height Journey. Um, he's asking, what are the major differences of physical therapy exercises between the tibias and the femurs, uh, both stretching and strengthening? Um, let me find that question here. So. I guess he's kind of asking, um, are the stretches the same? So like, let's say that the person's laying supine, you guys are doing like a, you know, uh, distal hamstring stretch, you know, kind of holding their knee and, you know, kind of going over top of them. Is that going to be more so for femur lengthening because of the posterior chain of the hamstring? Or, you know, you can also kind of get that ankle, that foot for some dorsiflexion. Would that also be for calf stretching, uh, you know, gastroc stretching as well? Uh, Mike, you want to take that? Um, so... You really want to want to uh, stretch at the heel. Okay. Um, that's a long lever arm. Um, so you want to try to, if you're going to stretch the um, the hamstrings, you want to be a little bit more proximal and, and going up. So okay. I, I really don't uh, recommend doing like a, a combination of stretch like that. No. Try flex and hamstring. More so, you're probably going to get the nerve involved with that. Right. So I'd like to try to segment those out and try to do like a hamstring stretch, and then I'll do a calf stretch for for four segments. Gotcha. So like really customizing depending on the lengthening segment that they're doing. Gotcha. You got to be cool. like I said, we got to be worried about your forces and where your hand placement is. Mm -hmm. and don't load the uh, the nail in properly. Yeah, I think that that's what, you know, it goes back to the first question is like having a physical therapist who specializes in limb lengthening and deformity reconstruction. Um, Jason, yeah. what, what about like um, the strengthening exercises? Like obviously to strengthen your femurs, things like maybe like kind of when the, when the bones are healed, obviously, like maybe like holding onto the walker and kind of assisted sits into the chair for the quads. Uh, what about the calf? Is it kind of going to get some like the soleus, you know, you're bending at the knee joint. You also get some strengthening from that. Is what's your is there a different differentiation between the exercises for strengthening of the the tibia lengtheners versus the femur lengtheners? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 Jason, uh, yeah, Jason, if you want, you don't, you don't have to, or Mike, well, either one. Uh, the ankle is going to get tight quickly, so you're going to plantar flex pretty quickly. I technically, I really don't want to strengthen the gastroc too much. To okay. Be honest, you get tight already, so we really don't want to promote more plantar flex. Okay. We want to stretch that. Um, when it comes to femur lengthening, I do want to. Uh, strengthen the hips and, and the glutes and all that stuff. We want to get you up and want to get you walking eventually. But we want to get those strong. Uh, but when it comes to tibia, 
really address strength against plastic thermography. Interesting. I will do ankle yeah. pumps and stuff like that, yeah. but I mean, we don't really focus on the strength enough. We'll okay. that back at, after you consolidate. I got you after you're consolidated. I guess walking is also a really good form of stretching, uh, you know, over time. So that's what I noticed for my own tibial lengthening. Um, very cool. Awesome. Let's see what the next question is here. Well, we have a huge amount of people watching usually for this time of the day. You guys are super popular already. Um, all right. So next question is from Afra Hamid. She's asking, will electronic feet or sock massagers help during the lengthening phase? Uh, Brian, you want to take that one? Um. <laughs> Interesting. I haven't uh, heard that one yet, but you know, um, certainly, you know, some compression stockings are typically very uh, beneficial. You know, especially in the early stages when there's a lot of swelling. Um, but you know, there's there's all sorts of interesting medical devices out there, and you know, some sort of sock that provides some you know uh, you know mechanical massage stimulation um, that certainly won't hurt anything. Um, but we definitely encourage people to wear you know compression stockings after the surgery. Uh, yeah. I think that that's a huge thing. It helps with the pain because that swelling is probably like, I think 60 or 70% of the pain right there. So very cool. All right. Uh, next question is from Benjamin Minoza. He's asking, would it be a good idea for outdoor routine during a lengthening phase? If not, would you recommend patients going back outdoor routine? So I guess doing physio or rehab outdoors, uh, is that recommended? I guess that's kind of what he's asking. I mean, you call it full therapy outdoor. I highly recommend full therapy. Oh, uh, two weeks therapy. post-op, okay. you can get in the pool. Wow. Once the incisions heal, is that right, Mike? Yeah, it's usually, like I said, two weeks after uh, you take a shower after the first week, and uh, then two weeks after that, you're allowed to submerge. Oh, nice. Awesome. Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of guys that like the, uh, the pool therapy. Hydrotherapy is huge. All right. Uh, next question is – oh, wait, sorry. Thanks, Randy. I got that. Um, Roughly, how long after lengthening will the patient be able to walk without limp limping and unassisted? I mean, this is one of the most popular questions that I get all the time. So, <laughs> that's usually due to the um, gluteus medius, um, and that gets very, very weak. And basically, you just have to strengthen that gluteus medius, uh, trying to get your center over top of your foot and do basically single leg stance. I've had actually multiple. Uh, multiple patients send me videos of like how they're walking, they're kind of doing this, going back and forth. And that's because of that glute medius weakness. Uh, you just have to use strengthening, single leg stance stuff um, uh, when you're allowed to do that, once, you, once your weight range is tolerated. Gotcha, gotcha. So roughly, yeah. if, you for, uh, if you lengthen for three months, it's, it might take you three months to fully consolidate. A round number is 12 months after your surgery, that your bones will be fully consolidated. Mm -hmm. You can walk without any assistance. But after ah, okay. you're done uh, lengthening every every month, you're gonna send X-rays and make sure the bones are getting healthy. Okay, so it's kind of like a combination of bones healing and, like Mike said, uh, muscle strengthening as time goes on. Got it. All right. Um, and once you're about to be way you can start working on single leg stance stuff, mm -hmm. and that's when you're going to improve that strengthening. And how? How long do you usually see for with patients? Um, well, obviously they're with you for the, usually the 12 weeks, obviously, and they go home. But I don't know if you've done any follow-ups with patients after that. Would you say it's like maybe a two to three months before they achieve that normal walk? Or Well, obviously, like uh, Jason said, the bone has to be healed. But let's say the bone's fully healed. How long would it take for like that glute medius to really kind of strengthen up? Well, I think uh, it also I mean, you uh, of like, uh, we grade on grade of five, right? To get a good grade change, it takes about six weeks. So it's got to 
strengthen up and I can reconfigure it and get stronger. And usually, like I said, about six weeks. Okay. Great change. Awesome. Very cool. But All right. you know, it depends on how much you work on and how weak you start out. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's at a different level. I mean, there's some athletes in here, and then there's people who are desk jockeys, essentially. <laughs> um, okay, so next question is, uh, okay, so Brian, this is a question for you of kind of like the stretching before surgery. Uh, Athra Hamid's asking, is two months before surgery enough time to kind of prepare yourself for the lengthening? Um, yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, number one, it depends if that person is already very tight, you know, some people are naturally more flexible. Females tend to be more flexible than males. Um, so I think two months is, is, you know, plenty of time to start stretching and preparing. Um, any little bit helps. So, you know, if you start a good routine, you know, stretching, you know, three times, you know, a day for that two months, I think that would be plenty of time. But again, you know, if your you know, hamstrings are already, you know, perfectly straight from a 90, 90 position, you know, sure, you know, stay mobile, but, um, really focus on the segments that are more problematic rather than, you know, just looking at the whole, at the whole picture. You got to kind of focus a little bit on what exactly you're stretching a lot. That's awesome, man. I like that kind of hone down on the problems and, you know, keep everything limber and loose at the same time. Uh, Fran, you having some trouble over there? What's going on? <laughs> I see a lot of movement. <laughs> Can you hear me? You need help? I think she wants to break in and say something, but I don't know. <laughs> I digress. Um, Okay, this she next question. Yeah, yeah, she's she's in the same building, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Just join them, Fran. You can't hear us? Oh. Go join Mike. Oh, you can hear us, but you I can't hear you. No. All right. That's okay. Your team's doing an amazing job, so. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question is from Megan Harris. Do you find that you work on more children or more adults? Good question. Uh, my, I well, mean, uh, I Jason, or, yeah, or Mike, yeah. several uh, kids on my schedule as well. Yeah, so more adults, yeah. but I, we do check to children here. Gotcha. gotcha. We do have the yeah. uh, clinic separated uh, and the, like the feed side uh, and the, more the adult side, but we do mix and match as well. I had um, an eight-year-old right here last hour. <laughs> really? That's awesome. Yeah, I remember that when I saw it came down there. They have the pediat. You guys have a new center, like a new location that you're at. It's huge, pediatric and then adults, but uh, they get it all done in there. It's super busy in there. I, that's why I'm super appreciative that they were able to join. Um, okay, next question is from Alamet. He's asking, what are your nerve evaluation tests in femur and tibia lengthening cases? Which treatment protocol do you use to reduce the risk of nerve injury? Uh, Jason, you want to kind of take a stab at this one? I think so I'll find the it. Lengthening process, yeah. The lengthening process, you will at times aggravate the nerve. So we try to do stretches to help not promote more nerve issue. Mm -hmm. uh, so we try to tailor-made some stretches that can avoid the, the nerve. But sometimes if, if we do aggravate the nerve, we do, uh, the doctors will uh, prescribe a medicine called Capentin to help um, reduce the nerve pain that they are experiencing. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. I remember that. It was a nerve flossing. Purposefully slightly stretch and try to floss nerve. Try to, if there's, it's tied in one area that might help keep more flexible. And sometimes if the nerve is a little too tight, the doctors can also slow you down. That's such a thing. 
yeah stretching. it's all about kind of like like you said communicating with the, the medical team the patient and then you guys this team as well um next question is from Ather again, man, she's really on fire here. Uh, I'm planning to get the surgery in the next two months from now. However, I feel like my muscles are a bit tight and I'm not flexible. Um, what can I do to gain maximum flexibility aside from stretches? Are there any other kind of like uh, pre-therapy type routines besides stretching to kind of help the patient get that muscle nice and supple or loose? Brian? Um, you know, a lot of times doing some soft tissue work, you know, kind of like uh, similar to uh, foam rolling, you know, or... Um, you know, using a tennis ball or softball to kind of work out some of those those problematic areas can help improve patients' flexibility at certain times. Um, but ultimately, you know, it would be advisable to see you know a health professional, a physical therapist, and you know, if if you want to really prep for the surgery, doing a little bit of prehab um, and getting a set of professional eyes on you, and you know, any you know standard uh, physical therapist will understand how to improve range of motion at a joint. Okay. Very cool. That's really a good idea. Yeah. I, think it's magic. I mean, you just gotta you gotta put that muscle time on attention. Yeah. And, and you can do some soft tissue mobilization while you're doing stretches as well, but it's just really time and attention. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think a lot of a lot of people actually have started kind of to do some of that prehab by seeing some uh, specialists and stuff ahead of time. I think that's a really good idea. Uh, this next question from. Bobby Ray, um, for people with tight hip flexors after femur distraction, can you demonstrate some effective stretches that someone can do on their own to stretch them out? So tight hip flexors after femur lengthening. Um, I guess this is when the bone is consolidated and you know they've left the Paleo Institute. So let me uh, find that question for you. Um, if you're um, holding tight, consolidated, um, you can do like another stretch, like yeah, this one. Okay. But if they're not consolidated, um, you do that top bit on the stretch. You're holding here. And for just, just the hip flexors, go straight down for just the hip flexors. Um, but if you're trying to get the rectus morse, try to get that knee and go down. Okay, gotcha. Keep the knee bent for the rectus femoris. Got it. So there you guys have it. So, like you said, if you're non weight bearing. Okay, yeah, absolutely for that one. Yeah, that's a really good one. I like that. I used to do track and field, did that a lot. That's that's a great one for the rectus. Um, but yeah, so you guys, you saw Mike there. He just demonstrated two amazing stretches, or three, four actually. But um, yeah, so watch that back, and it's based on whether you can weight bear or not um, to really loosen up that rectus femoris and uh, quad muscle. All right, uh, next question is from Lenzu. He's asking, I'm wondering, will tight sciatica nerve cause sciatica after lengthening? Are there any stretches to stretch the sciatic nerve? Um, Brian, and then we're going to send one to Jason after that. Yeah, you know, if, if someone is predisposed to a certain issue, especially, you know, sciatica with neural tension, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we certainly want to keep that in mind and address it. If you can, you can start to address that a little bit beforehand, um, you can do sciatic nerve glides, um, where you're kind of performing some active range of motion um, to keep that nerve kind of sliding. You know, Mike said before, like flossing the nerve, just kind of keeping it moving. So, you know, if you can, you can certainly try to get a jump on that. Um, and of course, you know, if you're in here uh, at PT, we will show you those techniques and teach you how to do that on your own. Nice, nice. So, okay. was, can you yeah. hear me now? I can hear you now. Oh my gosh! Ah. <laughs> we have so we have Frank Guardo on. <laughs> Welcome. How Hi. are you? 
Good, good. Sorry yeah. for all the confusion. No um, confusion at all. I just wanted to also say that we want to educate people on positions to avoid to have prolonged stretches on that sciatic nerve. So especially if they're doing a four-segment lengthening, mm -hmm. um, we want them to be reclining at the hip when their knees are extended, and we want them to be bending the knee when they're sitting full upright. So we can actually prevent some prolonged stretches and prevent some nerve irritation. And wow. really, while we're going through the whole process, um, you know, the team is looking at that. They started the flossing early on, and, mm -hmm. and um, they're kind of working on that all the way through because they're, you know, there's no other time that you're going to grow as quickly um, as you do when you're lengthening, especially if you're lengthening four segments and you have to watch out for that sciatic nerve. Gotcha. Now, Fran, a uh, follow-up question to that. Would they would something getting like a bed recliner that they can sit in? Because obviously they have a wheelchair. A lot of them have just a flat bed and then, you know, their apartment or wherever they're staying or the, you know, the hotel near the Paley Institute. Would like a bed recliner help them sit in that reclined position? What do you suggest for that aspect? Well, there we always make sure that they have a wheelchair that reclines. So we, we you can adjust the angle on ah. the back of the wheelchair and we want it reclined to forty five degrees when their knees are straight. So okay. we teach them that. Nice, yeah. nice. Look at that. Mm -hmm. Little secret techniques that I've never heard of. That's amazing. I think we might have uh, lost uh, Mike and Jason for a second. They might hop back on. Hopefully they click the link. I'll put them back on. Uh, all right, cool. We'll move right along. So then, Brian, you're going to get all the, the glory here. So, um, Next one is, from your experience with patients, do you think it's possible if I underwent simultaneous lengthening, both segments at the same time, again, with a small time frame in between, to go back to work after completing the lengthening phase? Um, I'll find that question right here. Right is, there. Are they talking about doing a four segment lengthening? Yeah, so just like, like you were talking about. Yeah, mm -hmm. quadrilateral. Here they are. I'll bring them back on. There they are. Cool. Um, I mean, I would say it kind of depends on what exactly what you're doing for work. Yeah, no? you're good. I mean, now, Mike. Yeah, sorry, Brian. Go ahead. Um, you know, it depends, number one, what you're doing for work. You know, if you have an extremely you know, physical, physically demanding job, that's going to be a lot more challenging. Um, you know, you're going to need about three months of that consolidation after the lengthening is complete just to be able to fully weight bear on your leg. Um, you know, and, and we always recommend kind of a gradual return to activity uh, rather than just jumping in, you know, full blown and, and kind of seeing what happens. You have to kind of test the waters a little bit, but it really depends on what job you're trying to be doing. Gotcha. So let's say that they are able to do like, let's say office work um, and they're not, you know, uh, I guess embarrassed going into the office with a wheelchair, would that be okay? After the I mean, yeah, it would be okay. I mean, we'd rather at that point, if they're you know consolidating, we'd rather have them be up, you know, using oh, okay. a walker. Uh, as long as they're you know they should be familiar with their weight bearing restrictions and how that feels. That's one thing that we teach our patients here. Is you know we get scales and you know whether you're 50 pound restriction or 75 pounds, we, we take a lot of time to practice and make sure patients know what that feels like. So mm -hmm. they should be safe walking. Um, as long as it's relatively short distances. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, if you're consolidating, you should be 